0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, and welcome to Engage for Success Radio with me, Jo Moffat. And for those who are less than familiar with who Engage for Success are, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about us. Um, We are a not-for-profit movement, and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. But our voice is heard uh, far and wide around the globe, and we have guests on our radio show uh, from North America, uh, particularly, as well as the UK and Europe. um, And today's guest is is one of our North American colleagues. The movement's role is to raise awareness, and um, we do that by running events through our area networks around the country, as well as through our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org, where you can learn more about the movement and sign up for our weekly newsletter. So, um, as I say, I'm Joe Moffitt. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio, and as, as with everyone who's involved with Engage for Success, we are all volunteers. Um, it's a, an entirely voluntary movement, um, so we all have day jobs, and mine is to be Managing Director and Founder of Woodread, uh, which is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So today's show is number 491 uh, in our weekly series, and our topic today is bringing clarity and accountability to an organization. And to help us explore that topic, I'm very pleased to welcome today's special guest, Stephen Rosberg. Stephen is founder and chief visionary officer of College Recruiter. Um, He also hosts the High Volume Hiring podcast himself, Uh, so no pressure on me here um, having a podcast host on the other side of the microphone, Um, and also um, co-hosts. Inside Job Boards and Recruitment Marketplaces podcast too. Um, He lives in Minneapolis in Minnesota um, and um, as well as a a family and three grown-up children, he tells me that he has one hyper-bonded dog. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, But um, Stephen is currently in the UK, actually, and I have to say I was very, um, uh, very taken with his out of office email reply when I sent him some information about the show. Um, And uh, I want to hear what you're doing in the UK, Stephen, and whether you did in fact get to the Cavern Club in Liverpool and whether you've had your beer and your English breakfast. So welcome to the show. um, And let's talk about that first.
1: Joe, it's it's great to be with you. Yeah, I kind of wonder. Uh, I grew up in Canada in in uh, in Winnipeg, which is right dead center uh, in the country. Uh, like you said, live in Minneapolis, so I consider myself to be mostly American. But I've been in the UK um, three times in the last uh, eight or nine months for a total of about six weeks. So I'm starting to think I should get honorary British citizenship as well. Um, it yes, sounds like it. Firm, yeah, sounds um, like it. Yeah yeah so I, I was at a i was at um a conference last thursday uh, may eleventh um called the job boards connect unplugged uh it was mm-hmm. a conference in london as you might imagine for um, owners leaders people who operate um, job boards like like an indeed linkedin college recruiter etc total jobs uh, and uh read and um then it was ridiculously expensive for me to fly back and forth across the pond in a few days. It would have been, um, well, roughly about 5,000 pounds. And so uh, it was, was, yeah. And so it was only, it was only about a thousand if I stayed the week. So it's like, okay, I can save the money. So for four days, I went to Liverpool. Um, I took a little bit of a side trip to Manchester and when I'm getting on the train to go to Liverpool, uh, somebody said, oh, you're going there for the weekend. So you're going to Eurovision? And I was like, no. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> Is Eurovision
1: in Liverpool this weekend? Uh, and they were like, yeah, how would you get a hotel? It was actually like quite easy. So, um, so it was fantastic. Liverpool, Liverpool's great. Um, I was hoping for it to be great. It was even better. And uh, boy, did they do Eurovision proud. And it was fun to, to soak some of that stuff up as well.
0: Oh, I bet that was quite quite a, a, an opportunity for you to be able to enjoy that and be part of that, for sure. So, yeah, goodness. Yeah. So air flights, airfares, rather, have really rocketed, haven't they, post-pandemic?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it was Eurovision because it's really not much of a thing in North America. No. Uh, maybe it was the coronation with somehow still – you know, wasn't all that it long be, ago. Um, yeah. Maybe that had an impact on it, but but normally when I fly back and forth, it's it's about fifteen hundred dollars. Um, yeah. So what, like twelve, thirteen hundred pounds, depending on the exchange rate. And this yeah. time it was six thousand. If I just wanted yeah. to come for for three days, So it's like yeah, it's you incredible. know, so the other, extra forty eight hundred, I can buy myself a vacation in a, in in Liverpool and Manchester, which I'd never been to, and, and I'm so right. glad that
0: I did. Excellent. Oh, well, I'm glad you've. Uh, I'm glad you've enjoyed your, your time here. And um, when when are you flying home?
1: Uh, tomorrow morning.
0: Oh, so right.
1: uh, make you know. So if my alarm doesn't go off, just tap you know, knock not light, knock lightly on the door, and I'll be ready. <laughs> 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 Excellent.
0: Okay, so um, and you'll be travelling home to your hyper bonded dog, and because obviously you've been in the UK and you're a, a, a nearly an honorary Brit, you obviously understand that we are mad about our dogs. So we're going to divert oh, yeah. the topic of today's show first and tell us a, tell us a little bit about your hyper bonded dog, then, Stephen.
1: So, so uh, he's the second dog that I had. We got a dog when when our kids were really little. Our our, our youngest kid was about four. Um, she was a standard poodle, about 35 pounds, lived a good life, and then it just mm-hmm. sort of like all of a sudden she was gone, like right at kind of life expectancy time. After about four or five months, um, I said to my wife that I want to get another dog. And she's like, seriously, we're going into winter. And it, for any of your listeners who have been to Minneapolis in the winter, there are <laughs> much better places to be. It, it is it, like a minus 30 day is is not unusual. And she's like, if you want to get a dog at this time of the year, you have to promise that you will take him out um, to go to the bathroom. And it's like, okay, fine. And to my credit, I have every single time in the wintertime, um, other than maybe the occasional travel trip. But I I definitely lived up to my word. Um, So he's a rescue. He's about 20 pounds, um, half Cocker Spaniel, half Poodle, so he's a cockapoo. And Mm -hmm. when we got him, he was eight, so we didn't have any other puppy nonsense, Um, didn't have some of that cute stuff either, Um, but he was definitely um, very nervous, very anxious, and it took about six months before I think he really started to to settle in. Right from the very first moment that we saw him when we were being interviewed by the the foster dad, um, this dog just Stapled himself to me, so we think that his previous owner was probably a male, um, because I didn't do anything to deserve that bonding. It's it's not, you know, he, before I had ever fed him, took care of him, took him out for a walk, he was just bonded to me right, right from the get-go. Um, which is, which is fun. I mean, when I'm working and and everybody in our company works remotely, and we have since 1997. But it's mm-hmm. it's nice to have one of man's best friends like down down at your feet,
0: isn't it? Absolutely, it certainly is excellent. Well, I'm sure he will be looking forward to your return tomorrow. So, but we we we, <laughs> we must talk about the topic. We can't talk about dogs for half an hour sure. as much as I would probably like to, and you probably would could easily as well. <laughs> um, so, we're going to be talking about bringing clarity and accountability throughout an organization. Um, and yeah. um, I wonder if we can. Um, set the scene a little bit um, by briefly telling us what what College Recruiter is about um, and then we can get into the specifics of clarity and accountability yeah so at a
1: very high level College Recruiter believes that every student and recent graduate deserves a great career Um, we're Mm -hmm. a job search site so think Indeed, total jobs, read um, LinkedIn, etc. Site that you would yep. go to as a candidate, typing keywords, the desired location, list of job openings come up. But unlike mm-hmm. those general sites, we're a niche site. So, the candidates who are using our site are overwhelmingly um, college and university students globally. Mm-hmm. Um, we help about 13 million a year find uh, part-time, seasonal. Internship, apprenticeship, and what we call early career um, job opportunities—anything that requires zero to three years of experience. So, you know, okay. if you're 50 and you're changing jobs, you're looking—you know, moving from hospitality to retail. There's a good chance that we're going to have a job of interest to you. But that's not who the employers. That advertise their jobs with us are really looking for. They're more looking for that the people at the at the beginning of, of their work life. So you know, mm-hmm. stereotypically, 20, 22, maybe twenty five years of age. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay. So I ought to point my youngest son in your direction because he's graduated last uh, autumn and is currently on an internship. Yeah. Sounds like. Sounds yeah, like I and uh, point we can we can
1: you. we can help you get him off your payroll, and everybody's happy.
0: <laughs> Excellent stuff. Lovely. All right. So, so our topic today then is about bringing clarity and accountability throughout an organisation, and and I, I want to explore that a little bit a little bit more. I mean, are those yeah. are those things that are, in your experience, of particular importance to this entry level role? People of that that age group. Well, when we, are, we, we
1: we use what's called the Entrepreneurs Operating System. Um, most people go by the acronym EOS. Um, it was popularized in a, a book, or really written about in, in a book called Traction: Get a Grip on Your Business. I'm not the mm-hmm. author. I don't have anything to do with it, other than just being a like a happy reader, if if you will.
0: Uh-huh. But
1: it's more about the it's more about how you manage and run your business. Um, it mm-hmm. really it's not at all particular to the world of recruitment um, or, you know, job search sites or early careers. We use it, and it really helps us fulfill our mission um, mm-hmm. because um, we, we get shit done. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we mm. get um, a tremendous amount done, I think, largely because of EOS. Everybody okay. in our organization knows what's expected of them.
0: Right, I see. And so when you talked before about how you started recruiter as a, as a remote employer, since so 97, I think you said, did you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. way, way so, before so, it was a thing. It was a thing for us.
0: Yeah, So, so you're familiar with remote work, engaging remote workforces, and I'm guessing that you knew a lot of the stuff that many organizations only sort of discovered post Pandemic, or during the pandemic, when they suddenly had to pivot from being a office-based or on-site employer to one that perhaps wasn't quite so on-site, you already you'd already yeah. had a lot of the pain and knew knew a lot of the tricks, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely correct. And and I I think the first the first month that we all kind of went into into lockdown. And employers were scrambling to um, suddenly realize that these roles that they had always insisted had to only be done in the office um, could absolutely be done from home. Um, you know, and clearly, lots of roles cannot be right. I mean, if you're a of you know, if you're a nurse working in a hospital, a little bit difficult to do that work mm-hmm. from home. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, if you're a cook in a restaurant, yeah, same yeah. sort of thing. You know, you're going to be one of those frontline workers. It still has to be done in in person. But about Uh. half of the jobs, it's hard to remember, it was only only a few years ago, but about half of those jobs within weeks went from being in an office, in the employer's other kind of facility, restaurant, whatever it may be, to being done in people's bedrooms, in their attics, people putting up sheds in their backyards, whatever. Um, Yeah. I can remember having Zoom calls with people who were in studio apartments in Manhattan, husband and wife, both on Zoom at the same time at opposite ends of the room, and their little kids running around
0: because their school had been canceled. I, you know, yeah. It was
1: a nightmare
0: for, it was for a, a lot it of was, people. It certainly was. We and then we went, all, yeah, absolutely. We, we, the, the amazing thing to me is the speed with which actually, by and large, we adapted to that and managed to get it up and running and make it work in an in, in an amazing amount of time. But so so, clarity and accountability. Then, um, yeah. What do you mean by those terms, and why are they important? Before we go on to talk so, about how how you you know yeah, how you so make
1: cl- clarity happen. clarity in in. In the EOS world, the, 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 how we manage our company, um, how we communicate expectations um, mm-hmm. both down and up um, and mm-hmm. across employer ranks, it really means to be very clear. So we would never say to you, um, let's say you were um, um, doing marketing work for us in-house. We would never say, Joe, what's expected of you is a new graphic um, for this product soon? Because what does that mean? Well, you know if you get the work done that you flee and reasonably believe accomplishes that, I could come back to you as your coworker, your direct report, your manager, and say, "Oh, well, when I was talking a graphic. I meant something on paper, I didn't mean a PDF. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean blue, I meant red. I didn't mean soon as in a month from now. I meant soon as in by two PM because I have a meeting <laughs> with our customer. Right? You yeah. you just you two reasonable people could differ as to what that means. And if you mm-hmm. do There isn't sufficient clarity. Now, different cultures, different organizations, different people just naturally at times speak more or less clearly. Um, At this conference I was at, I was talking to one guy who was Austrian, another guy who was German, and another guy who was Dutch. And it was hysterical how Americans... Uh, speak especially Eastern like from from New York or for Boston we speak very clearly directly it's just people mm-hmm. will say we're blunt we're abrasive mm-hmm. because it's just we mm-hmm. speak our minds and, mm-hmm. and you know what we're thinking Two New Yorkers speaking like that doesn't bother them at all but the Dutch are similar in that way and there's actually a lot of Dutch culture in New York I think that's why New Yorkers tend to be blunt but if you talk yeah. to an Austrian, it's like, it's like pouring water on a table. It, the conversation just goes all over the place. It's like, you know, we should do blank. And there's no clarity at all for somebody who's not used to that. They understand what they mean. But me coming from the U.S. or somebody from, say, Amsterdam wouldn't. So clarity is really important that everybody should know at all times what needs to be done, who's going to do it, and when it's going to be done. So you don't leave a meeting uncertain about whether your boss wants you to do this today or next week or sometime this year. And I've worked Mm -hmm. in lots of places where that is exactly what happens. And then if you do it in a month, thinking that that's in plenty of time, your boss is never going to get mad at you because – You did it when you were told to do it. You know, if 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 your boss wanted you to do it in a week and you did it in a month, your boss is going to get mad at you. But if they never told you that they needed it in a week, they don't really have a right to get mad at you. So it's
0: clarity of accountability is is different. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay, yeah. It's it's like is everybody really clear what needs to be done, who, when, Um, and then and then also. How are you going to measure that? You want it to be objective? You want it to be you know that the client accepted it that the sale was over a million dollars. you know something that is really clear, not just we improved or it you know it 's successful because what does that mean? Um, accountability means um negative thing. A lot of people think of accountability as like they're being punished or they're being disciplined.
0: Yeah. Not we at blame. all. It means, yeah, we, yeah.
1: yeah it's, it's not about blame. I mean, it can, it can lead to that, but that's not really what it's really about. What it means is that Joe says, okay, I am the head of marketing and this is a marketing project. So I'm accountable for it. I'm going to lead the efforts. It might not be that you do the work. You might have five people under you, and you delegate a piece of it to each of them, and then they deliver it. But at the end of the day, you're responsible. If something yeah, goes the right
0: or something lie. goes yeah.
1: wrong, yeah, yeah it's, it's on you. And so you always know, you know, Joe is in charge of sales, um, or, well, like Joe... J-O-E, uh, J-O-U, in charge of marketing, you know, Steven's in charge of this, you know, Cindy's in charge of that. And so you only have one person in charge of anything. There's no such thing as co-owners of a particular task or issue. You always have one person.
0: Okay. Okay. And, and just going back a, back a step to the clarity thing. Is there a is yeah. there room in your view though once you've if you give people clarity of what is expected are you are you still giving them room within that for them to exercise autonomy autonomy and creativity or or is it very is it very directive and and you know this is it do this do this by then but yeah that you know, without really any room depends, I
1: think more more, yeah, more on the organization and, and the goals, or as EOS the calls top. them, rocks, like big, big things. So yeah. you might have um, a very, something very tactical that, um, Joe, I need you to call Fred at our customer XYZ by Friday and extend a refund to him with our apologies. Okay, mm-hmm. there's not much room there for creativity. Right. Nor should there be. It's very, very much in the trenches. It's very tactical. On the other hand, if you're the head of marketing, we're rolling out a new product in 2024. Joe, by November 30th, um, you and you and the leadership team agree that you're going to have an advertising campaign um, designed and presented to the leadership team for approval. That and so there's a ton of room for creativity there. We haven't told you what the media is going to be, what the what the creative is going to look like, what the what the what, mm. the, what the graphics, what the text. That's all in your control because you are the head of marketing, and so you would know better than anybody else should in the company what what
0: should work. Mm-hmm. Understood. Okay. So how do we? How do we go about bringing clarity and accountability throughout an organisation? From the way you approach it, with your this entrepreneurs' operating system approach to life, is it a is it a, a, a checklist, a framework that is gradated according to the level of tactical versus strategic that you've just described?
1: Yeah. I'm glad you use the word framework because that's exactly what it is. Um, okay. and, and again, we don't sell this. We don't do that. We just we use it. We're, you we're just use happy it. users. I'm an unpaid on, evangelizer.
0: You're not so on commission. We,
1: <laughs> right? Exactly. And you know, I'm not like pitching a book or anything. But the
0: no. um,
1: at once a year, the leadership team of which I'm a member, um, we sit down and we we revise our 10-year, five-year, three-year, and one-year goals. And, 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 and they get more specific as you get um, closer in time. So the one-year goals or ROCs look much more specific, um, specific dollar numbers for revenue, et, et cetera. Um, the 10-year is, is really vague, but it kind of points you in the right direction. Um, that's fairly minor that, the, the, the 10, 5, 3, and 1-year goals, the real magic happens around the 90-day goals or what EOS calls rocks. And the theory is that nobody can keep their attention for lo- on anything for longer than 90 days. So you want to have a 90-day rock that every, you can move towards, that it's really clear, that it's accountable. And you should never have more than a few of them. It's just like Mm -hmm. too many things. Those are the things that when you get to work in the morning, those are the things that need to occupy your time. Um, They're the most important things. It also talks about what they call pebbles. So they're smaller rocks. These are the things that you kind of fill in the space with. If you're working most of the day on your rocks, your 90-day goals, You still have some important things to do, but they're not as important. And then it talks about water. If you picture like a glass and you fill it first with rocks, then with pebbles, there's still some little tiny spaces in between the pebbles and you fill that with water. And that can just be like the the three-minute task here, four-minute task there. What happens to a lot of people is that they fill their day every day with water. All the stuff that doesn't really matter all that much, And they don't have any time for the pebbles, let alone the rocks. And so they're just, it's like when people feel like they're on a treadmill and they're not really accomplishing anything day after day, week after week, month after month, it's because they're doing water, not pebbles, not rocks. Um, Okay. I can see
0: that in my mind's eye, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the 90-day rocks, then every week, your team, whether you're a member of the leadership team or the tech team or the marketing team or the sales team or whatever, every week, you have what's called an an L10. It's a meeting. It's very structured. It's 90 minutes, five minutes on this, 10 minutes on that, and you check in, and you report to everybody else at the table, like with your rocks, you're on track or you're off track. But you would never sit there and say, well, let me tell you what happened because that's when you get into those meetings with six people and you have a meeting for an hour and everybody talks about what they did. And at the end of the meeting, you haven't really advanced anything. You've just informed other people. So, yeah, you know, you're kind of on the same page, but nothing got resolved. If there were problems, Mm. if you need help with something, nothing happens. So then you end up going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and you start having meetings to plan meetings. Um, yeah. With with this, it's just it's very short. If you're off track, if you didn't do something that you're supposed to do, then it becomes an issue. Then we talk about it. But if you're doing fine, don't waste my time telling me that you're doing fine and how you did and and what you did to be fine. It's like yeah, yeah. So
0: we it's don't very disciplined. It it's, it's it's very disciplined, isn't it, Stephen?
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's why the, the, the guy from Austria that I was talking about, he looked at me like I was from Mars. It's like, this would never work in Austria. <laughs>
0: oh, really? That's interesting. Because I tend to, yeah, I think cause said, we, we, to imagine Austrians as quite a disciplined um, nation.
1: Yeah, but he said that the way that they communicate is very um, indirect, and uh-huh. everything is about harmony and not to create like any kind of adversarial. EOS talks about good conflict. Joe, you were supposed to deliver X, Y, and Z by the end of March, because you didn't, now I'm off track with my rock. So I've got a problem, that's an issue, let's talk through it, and then you can talk about, well, hey, Cindy on your team quit, and you haven't had somebody replace them yet. And Mm -hmm. you know, so the issues, the real problems, they come to light very, very quickly. In mm-hmm. in his mind, the guy from Austria, that was way too uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> right, I see, I see. And that good conflict, um, productive conflict, how to have difficult conversations, all of that kind of stuff, I suppose it's tied up with accountability as well, isn't it, rather than just... Um, yeah, sweeping difficult yeah, performance control, issues under you know, the carpet. It's,
1: it's not about throwing you under the buses, we would say in the U.S. or under a mm. you know under a lorry or whatever here. Yeah, um, yeah. but it, 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 it's it's not about you know you know Joe, you failed us, you dropped the mm. ball. It's more about oh, I didn't realize that you were having that problem. Let mm. me suggest this, or mm. hey, I can take a piece of that and clear away that obstacle that you have so that you can then move forward, reach your goals, reach your rocks, which then allows the company to reach its goals. Um, Yeah, Yeah. It's it's remarkable in an hour-and-a-half meeting, uh, which is what you do every week with the members of your team, it's remarkable Mm -hmm. how much you can get done. It doesn't replace all meetings. It's not like you go from having 30 meetings, 30 hours of meetings a week to an hour and a half. You can still have an hour meeting about a specific topic or a 10-minute mm. meeting or whatever might be appropriate. But yeah. everybody on the team every week checks in. And so if you get off track, you, you never should lose more than a week. No. And, and so you, you never have this situation where four months goes by, and, and your team member has just been like dropping the ball. It just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, so this is, where, this is where clarity and accountability come in because you are constantly a, a, um, assessing, trimming, adjusting, recognizing where things might need to be brought back on track. Um, and yeah. um, I feel that we very much just dipped into this um, in, in the time that we've had, um, and we, we are literally out of time, Stephen. Um, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for giving us that insight. That sort of very much um, uh, wetted our appetite. I think for uh, well, actually, that's a good metaphor, isn't it? Really, wetted our appetite to fill our <laughs> fill our jar with rocks and pebbles and water, uh, and uh, and uh, and get that clarity and accountability. Um, thank you very much for, for joining us, and thank you for listening. And uh, you have a safe journey back to your hyperbonded. Uh, Cockapoo, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll hear more about this on a future occasion. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you,
1: Thank you so much for having me, Joe.
0: Pleasure. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.